In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. As many of you have heard several times before, I grew up in a family where my dad was a pharmacist. I was a PK of a different kind. We had our own drugstore at the corner of 14th and Howell in Lafayette, Indiana. The drugstore had been in our family for over 81 years. My dad was the pharmacist, my grandfather, and my great-grandfather. Every morning when I would wake up for school at 6.30 in the morning, the radio would have my dad giving a commercial to stop and shop at Choffs, the local drugstore. One of the things that I remember vividly about my dad being a pharmacist is that he would come home with a very large book. Not large in terms of like this, but large in the, si in the matter of it being tall. You remember books? Yeah. He would bring one home. And every night that he had to bring this book home, he would open up a package that he got from the FDA. And he would open up this book with this large binding, large tall binding, and he would take out anywhere from 100 to maybe 300 pages from this book, and he would insert the new pages that he got from the FDA. This book was a book on all of the medications that the FDA had approved. All of the medications, what they were for, what side effects there were, and so forth. My dad was a pharmacist in a time where there wasn't computers. There wasn't Google to check up what prescriptions would counteract other prescriptions. He had to use this book in order to look at things and see what kind of medicines were good for somebody or not. Medicine has become a big deal today. It used to be that you couldn't advertise on TV about medicine. I remember my dad watching the evening news one night when the government approved the commercial televisions for medication, and he was, in a sense, sort of a prophet. He laughed and simply said, this is the dumbest thing that we could ever do. And I said, why? He said, because you're going to see commercials for everything from suppositories to blood pressure medication, and you're going to see people who are acting all gloom and doom and worn out, and then once they take the suppository or the medication, they're riding their bike, they're strolling in the park, they're playing cards, and he says there will be all of those hidden side effects that they have to legally announce. You've all seen it before, right? Seen this on TV, all of the medications where the person is all, uh, and then they're up again and they're doing great. Medicine is big business today. But you'll also notice that there are several of those in our communities that are saying, we don't want big pharma. We don't want all the chemicals and all of the other things that medications are about. And so they're actually going back to older remedies. Now, this is not a sermon about vaccination or not getting vaccinated. We're not going down that rabbit hole today. But there is something to be said about the old school medication. My grandfather and my dad would always talk to parents of newborns with teething issues about taking some brandy or some bourbon and dipping your finger and rubbing it on the children's gums. 
Now today, that would be considered child abuse. How dare you do this? Give us a tube with some sort of numbing cream at CVS or Walgreens. But there's something to be said for the older remedies that take care of things. There is actually a big business about this today. You can get on YouTube and see all sorts of remedies for colds and other things using weeds in your backyard all the way down to things like fruit and vegetables and yes, even bourbon. What does this have to do with what we're talking about today, Pastor? It's nice to hear about your family history with your dad being what we might call today a drug dealer. But what does this have to do with us today? Well, the ancients would look at the word of God and the sacraments in the church, and they would say that for you as Christians, these things are the medicine of immortality. Not the medicine to get you through a sickness or to provide you healing, but the gifts of our Lord Jesus Christ through his death and his resurrection are the gifts given to us by his word, by his baptism, by his holy Eucharist, and these things give to you the medicine of immortality, of everlasting life. Why? Because they give you Jesus. And I think it's great to go back to the way the ancients would look at why we are here today. But the reality is, is that not only is medicine bigger and big business today, so is the church. My kids participated in a speech and debate tournament this past weekend at one of the largest churches in all of Little Rock. It was absolutely impressive. Every hallway had multiple crafts for coffee. Let the reader and hearer understand. <laughs> they had signs and placards and chairs and tables that were nicer than anything that I have in my office or my home. They had everything possible for every age that you could imagine. They had everything shiny and glitzy and well-lit and huge and impressive. And I'm not sitting here today to say that this was not a good thing or that they somehow have it wrong. But in the midst of all of this big church being big business and everything else, it seems as if the old school remedies are getting lost. Today you heard about Naaman from the book of Kings. Naaman was a big, mighty general in the Syrian army. He was one who would maybe be along the lines of a of a Norman Schwarzkopf or a Colin Powell. He was one that was widely respected, widely revered, even by his king. He had so many people at his disposal, but yet he was a leper. Leprosy is a disease where your skin rots and falls away. And if you were a leper, you were considered an outcast of your community. Everybody looked and revered Naaman, but in the same sense, they weren't going to go up and shake his hand or give him a hug because they would have the risk of getting leprosy and being declared unclean. Naaman and his armies capture a young Israelite girl 
who's in the service to Naaman's wife. And this young Israelite girl says to Naaman's wife, if this, your husband, would go see the great prophet of Israel, he could make him clean. A little girl. A little girl has the, sits there and actually speaks the truth of what God's word is all about, the ancient truths of God's word, about how his word comes through even the prophets, and says, this man of Israel, Elisha, can actually make Naaman clean. And you'll notice what Naaman does. He's all about the big business, the impressive business, the large, enormous business. He goes to his king, the almighty and powerful king, and he says, this little girl has said this, and the king simply says, fine, I'll give you so much money, so much of a wardrobe, everything that you possibly could ever have, and I'll write you a personal letter on your behalf to the king of Israel. Go and see if this is really true. Naaman was all about big business, powerful business, powerful influence. He wanted there to be a powerful and big cure. So he goes to the king of Israel. Notice he doesn't even look for the prophet. He goes to the fellow king. The guy who's in authority, who is in charge. And this man, the king of Israel, reads the letter and simply says, Hey, I'm not God. Who do you think I am? But yet there is this idea that as the king tears his robes in frustration, Elisha, the great prophet, sends word and says, Simply send Naaman to me. I'll take care of it. And you'll notice what's happening. Here is Naaman with all his big and mighty influence, his big business, and he shows up at Elisha's door, and what does Elisha do? He sends out one of his servants. Go tell him just to go wash in the Jordan River seven times. And you'll notice how Naaman responds. He is full of rage and anger. I am a mighty, mighty man. I am one who has great influence. I have all these clothes, all this money, all this power and influence, and you send out your servant to tell me to go wash in the Jordan River? The Jordan River, by the way, is not something that you would consider pristine and even clean. If you drive down Markham and some of these other streets, you see these muddy, dirty drainage ditches that take all of the overflow water and go on throughout the city, out to the river or wherever else. That's sort of like the Jordan River. Naaman wants to be washed in the Arkansas River. Big, mighty, powerful, full of energy and strength. The big business of the big river. And yet Elisha says, go to the muddy, dirty, stinky, smelly Jordan and dip seven times, because seven is the number of God. Naaman won't have any of this. He wants the big medicine, the big power, the big influence, and yet you'll notice that one of his servants turns around and simply says to him, didn't he say to you if you did this, you would be clean? You have to understand, a little girl, a servant, actually is speaking to the king and showing Naaman that despite your power, your influence, whatever else, it's really that simple. 
You might even say that they would look at Naaman today and simply say, hey, keep it simple, stupid. This is something that you need to look at as the truth and the reality. It's not powerful. It's not grand. It's not glorious. It's not something shiny and bright. It's the word of God commanded through Elisha. Maybe he's right. After all, this is the first person who's told you to go and wash and be clean. And you'll notice that Naaman finally relents and he goes down into the muddy, stinky, filthy Jordan River and he's washed and made clean. And I love what this says. His flesh was made as of a little child. A little child told him to go see Elisha. And as he is washed by the waters and the word of God, he is made just like that little child. Now, where is this all going for us today, Pastor? Keep it simple. I'm not going to finish that phrase. <laughs> Keep it simple. Despite what all of big time, big business religion and influence would might say today, despite the fact that I don't have seven books on the bookshelf for sale over at Mardell Bookstore, despite that you walk and drive by this church and the whole building could fit inside maybe some other church buildings around town, we have the medicine of immortality in our midst. The word of God, the simple heard word of God that brings about faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who has been crucified for us and risen from the dead. It's not shiny. It's not attractive. It's not even always happy and glorious. But it points us to the old school medicine of immortality that our ancient brothers and sisters wanted us to focus on. As Acts chapter 2 says, they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, and to the breaking of the bread, and the Lord added to their numbers daily those being saved. The work of the Lord's being done over at the grand, glorious church buildings. The work of the Lord is being done here. But do not be deceived by glitz, glamour, paint, size of buildings, or even numbers of people. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up her, that he might sanctify her, that is you, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present you, the church, to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Corresponding to all of this, baptism now saves you. Baptism now saves you. It's on our little medallion right there from 1 Peter. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus. Or don't you, don't you not know that all of us were baptized in the Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, we were therefore buried with him through baptism in the death 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, you too might walk in the newness of life, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up through him, through faith in the working of God, who raised Jesus from the dead. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's all scripture. It's all water and the word. The ancients knew what they were talking about. They didn't sit there and say, well, you have to have a massive river to be baptized in. Or you actually have to submerge people in the water. They didn't sit there and add commands saying, you can't have a little bowl of water or a little bit of sprinkling. It's got to be a big grand production. They never sat there in the ancient world saying that you have to somehow decide for Christ, make a decision, make your faith and public faith known by the age of reason or accountability. No. They simply said, go to all the world all ages, all people, and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And by that old-time medicine, the medicine of immortality, the Lord is washing his people clean of their sins and promising the pure, refreshing, sanctified, justified, resurrected flesh that will never fade or perish away. Don't get caught up in the big business of church. Don't get caught up in the big gimmicks, the big medicine, the big solutions, and whatever else it is. Let us keep it simple. Let us go back to what the ancients would point us to as Jesus reveals himself today in his word and in his sacraments. Not looking at you today and saying, now what are you going to do about it? How are you going to advance the kingdom? How are you going to go out into all the world? But to bring you to this place as a fellow sinner, a fellow person broken, battered, and beat up by the world. A fellow person who has made other people's lives miserable. A fellow person who has not listened to the wise sayings and medicine God places before you, but yet as one who comes into the presence of God so that he may not terrify you or lay you with more burdens, but as a God who will wash you clean of all of your sins, no matter what they are, or matter what you have done or left undone, he not only washes you, he speaks his word of forgiveness and love to you this day, and he also feeds you with his body and blood. A simple piece of bread, a simple sip of wine, but connected with his word, it is the medicine of immortality. God in human flesh and blood placed into your mouths this day so that you might become one with him. The communion, the common union with him. Others might say, well, no, there's nothing here. It's just a symbol. It's just a memorial. But by faith in the word of God, we respond, here, O Lord, I see you face to face. 
not burdening us, not counting us as unrighteous, but as holy, full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled and clean from an evil conscience as our bodies have been washed with pure water, a.k.a. the medicine of immortality. So come, listen, be washed, and taste and see the medicine our Lord Jesus Christ has prescribed for you this day and every day. It will never fail you. It will never harm you. It will never destroy you. It will simply seek you out to save you, to bring you back closer to him so that ultimately you might have the healing, health, and restoration to life everlasting. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.